Well, good morning, church family. It is great to see you this Sunday morning. Wow, I love that song, Your Great Name. What a beautiful reminder of, of who God is and how we worship him during this time. Well, hey, it's good to be back with you. Um, it, it seems like this entire series may be in your homes, and that's okay. If that's what God has for us, I know it's reaching into your homes from the feedback you've been giving me, and we're praising God for that. Hey, we're walking like lions into this time of uncertainty. There's two lions, metaphorically in scripture, the prowling lion seeking to someone to devour, that's the devil. He roars fear, and then there's the roar of faith, our heavenly father, the lion of Judah, and he roars faith, and we wanna walk with faith through this time of uncertainty, we wanna walk like lions. Hey, each, each week I've tried to come up with a word that I think um, encompasses the mood of uh, a lot of things I read on social media or I hear from people in conversations. And you know what? The mood's a little different this week. Not so much fear or anxiety. I'm, I'm hearing a little bit more frustration. I mean, that seems to be the word. And so today's word or this week's word is gonna be frustrated. What, what does that mean? Looked it up. The expressing of distress and annoyance, especially because of an inability to change or achieve something. Do you have any frustrations right now? You know, there's another word that we use for frustration sometimes. We say, I have a pet peeve. Do you have any pet peeves? Things that kind of especially annoy you? Some people say, slow drivers, slow drivers. Oh, that's my pet peeve. Some people say, loud Eating, like, like eating with your mouth open really loud. That's my pet peeve. People have pet peeves. They say, you know, some are exemplified when you're living together. Yeah. Um, how about this one? Common spaces left messy. You got somebody in your house who is just a messy person and it's getting exposed right now. You can point to them in your living room right now as you're sitting there, okay? Um, how about, how about um, uh, neglecting the trash or just piling up all, all the dishes all the dishes in the house, right, during this time period. Um, here's another one. Um, talking loudly on the phone while other people are in the house. Hey, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Or how about on Zoom? Oh, hey, guys. It's like, why are you shouting into your iPad, okay? We get pet peeves. Are they a big deal? Ah, probably not. But when frustrations continue to build and people are inside longer, and people are not collecting paychecks longer, and, and people are being restricted in their movements longer, what happens, it's like a rubber band. It just bends and, bends and it gets pulled and it's pulled, and eventually you just know, you just know it's gonna snap. You know, we post a lot of our good moments often on TV, they show the best moments, but I bet in a lot of homes, there's been some frustration moments. There's been moments where we've snapped or we've yelled at someone. We've gotten upset. You know, I, I've always liked to go back to an illustration that kind of speaks to when we're wound up and we explode. I got it with me this morning. Here it is. It's a little box and his name is Jack. You're familiar with the song, right? Right? You ever come home and mom's like, hey, not tonight, kids. Dad, dad is, dun -dun 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 -dun. he's okay right now, but we don't know. Are you feeling like that maybe a little bit in your own life right now? Let, let me try him, okay? Let me try him. I'm gonna hold him up to my mic. I don't know if you'll hear the song. I'm gonna try. He doesn't always, here he goes. 
my guy's not all that scary. But pop goes the weasel. I watched an illustration, or, or it was like a video clip on YouTube or something, and there's this little kid, and he's watching, and he's all excited, and mom and dad are going, and they're smiling, and it goes, pop, and that kid went, ah, and he screamed, and, and it was hilarious, but it got me thinking. Some of the most regretful, shameful, hurtful, even abusive things can happen inside the doors of a home when frustration has built up. And I think it's so important for us to say before, before I snap, before I pop, I have to think through all the things I could potentially lose by snapping. We get on that Facebook and we post our true feelings, we have a chance of losing far more than anything this virus might cause. We could lose respect. People say they've really exposed themselves during this crisis as a very angry person. I've heard people say they've really exposed themselves as kind of an opinionated person, hasn't really made their testimony look that good. I'm not sure Jesus Christ would have said that. And in our frustrations and our venting, we have a chance to sometimes snap. And whether we put it online, whether we put it on social media, or we say it in our home, or we say it to one of our kids, or we say it, heaven forbid, at the workplace, you could lose your job over these moments. And that's why I think it's so important for us to say, how can I have restraint when unrestraint feels like it's right around the corner? And that's the heartbeat of our sermon today. I've titled Daniel chapter eight, Restraint Amid Unrestraint. And we're gonna see imagery. It's prophetic language, right? We're gonna see imagery of a ram and a goat have all this conflict today. You wanna know why? Because of unrestraint. And Daniel's gonna see this vision. He's gonna look at it, he's gonna process it, he's gonna ponder but Daniel's gonna choose restraint and he's gonna walk like a lion amidst all this restraint because of something he's assured of, that our heavenly father is under control of all of this and he has allowed this. And if he has allowed this, I'm supposed to grow through this, not explode through this. And so here's our question today. What should I remember when I'm tempted to vent my frustrations. What should I remember? And at the end of the sermon today, I'm gonna give us seven things that can provide restraint when we feel unrestraints right around the corner. Okay, so Daniel chapter eight, let's pray and let's dig in. We got some crazy imagery today. We've got a fight on the horizon. And so if you like conflict, here it comes as we enter in to Daniel chapter eight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, use this text today to teach us about restraint, but also to see when unrestraint occurs. Often you have allowed it and you're going to use it even for a season. But Lord, I know that's not what you want from your children. You want your children to walk with a sense of calm through this. You want your children to be shining lights of stability through this. You want your children to speak faith into their workplace, into their families, into their homes. But Lord, 
It's so much of a struggle at times, Lord, when we feel closed in and restricted. We just sometimes, Lord, we lose it. Forgive us for that, Lord. Teach us in this area. And we'll look to your word, not only to learn and and study prophecy today, but to gain restraint. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's open the text. It's Daniel chapter eight, and it begins by saying this. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, now remember, Daniel had these visions and dreams while Belshazzar was on the throne. So it's interesting. Chapters seven and eight are actually occur chronologically before the handwriting on the wall. So Daniel knew these things when he came into Belshazzar and he held them and he treasured them in his heart. He didn't share them. How well do you do restraining a secret? How, how well do you do? When somebody says, could you keep a secret? Do you say like, hey, don't tell anyone, but. That's even a restraint. And Daniel showed this restraint because even in the third year of Belshazzar, he's having these visions. Didn't share them with anybody. After that, which appeared to me at first, and I saw, Daniel says, a vision. And when I saw, I was in Susa in the citadel. Do you know where Susa is? Does that ring a bell at all? Have any of you heard the story of Queen Esther? Yeah, 88 years later, we'll see Esther come onto the scene uh, in Susa, uh, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision, and I was at the Ula Canal. What? Yeah, I got transported to the canal. And I'm looking, and I'm seeing all this stuff. It's in the modern-day Iran. If you were to go to this valley where Daniel says he was, you would find yourself in modern-day Iran. And this is what he sees. This is incredible. Watch this. I raised my eyes, and I saw, and behold, a ram standing on the bank of the canal. It had two horns, and both horns were high, but one was higher than the other. And the higher one came up last. Okay, now some of you are already starting to get good at imagery. So you know this ram is gonna probably represent some sort of kingdom. And this is interesting. This ram's got one big horn, you notice that? And one smaller horn. Let's keep that in mind. This is what Daniel Daniel sees. And then he notes something about the ram. He goes, I saw saw the ram charging westward. Charges westward. This is the west warrior here at the church. He charged westward and, and then he went northward. He charged northward and then he went southward. He charged southward. No beast could stand before him. No beast. And there was no one who could rescue from his power. Wow. He did as he pleased and he became great. This ram became great. He went west, north, south, and did whatever he wanted. Complete unrestraint. Do you know somebody who just thinks they can do whatever they want? That's this ram all over the place. And he says, and as I was thinking about this, Daniel's just watching this. As I was was watching, behold, a male goat came from the west. Here he comes. Across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. What? This this male goat's flying? Just picture, just coming right at him. And the goat had a conspicuous horn. Very obvious, conspicuous, very obvious horn, okay? Very obvious horn. Between his eyes, what's going on here? We've got this goat. He's flying in from the west. He barely touches the ground. So with this idea of speed, this conspicuous horn, and then Daniel continues. He says this. 
He came to the ram with the two horns, you know, the, the little horn and the big horn, which I had seen standing on the bank of the canal. And he ran at him in his powerful wrath. Have you ever seen an animal charging? I'll tell you what, it's somewhat terrifying, especially if you happen to be in Yellowstone National Park and you see it charging. I'm speaking hypothetically. It's terrifying. You're glad that you're in a car or you're over there or the guide is saying, okay, let's move right along. I saw him come close to the ram and he was enraged and him and he struck the ram, boom, with his horn and he broke its two horns, shattered his horns apart. Wow, what an incredible collision. This ram smashes these two horns. What's going on? continues and the ram had no power to stand before him none but he cast him down to the ground watch this he not only boom hits him he stomps on him I'm a big basketball fan there's nothing I like more than when I see one of my favorite players go up and dunk on somebody. Hey, college students, you do that whole thing where somebody fakes a rim behind your friend and you jump on top of them and you slam it on top of them and you're like, oh, you got dunked on. But when somebody dunks on somebody when I'm cheering and then they step over them too, oh my goodness, it's insult to injury. And that's what occurs here. The, the, the ram smashes, gets smashed to the ground. The goat not only crushes him, he stomps on him and there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. Wow. What happens to the goat? Well, Daniel tells us. Then the goat became exceedingly great. He became exceedingly great. But when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns toward the four winds of the heaven. What? Okay, so that horn that smashed everybody or that smashed that ram with the two, it gets broken off and four horns come up. Out of them came a little horn. Oh no, not a, oh, the little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. It grew great even to the host of the heaven. And some of the host and some of the stars, it threw down on the ground and it trampled on them. Oh, I'm getting nervous because stars were often referred to. Jews were, were numbered like the stars of heaven, remember? And so now I'm starting to think this little horn is gonna be smashing and trampling down on stars that could be a sign of Jewish people or, or, or believers. And, I'm, and I'll keep reading verse 11. It says, and he grew great even as great as the prince of the host. Oh man, the prince of the host, that's a name for God. Um, and, and, and the regular burnt offering was taken away from him and, and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown. Wait, 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 wait a minute. The, the, the prince of the host, his regular burnt offering, that's the temple. That's the temple. That would be God's temple. That would be Yahweh's temple. You're saying it was taken away from Yahweh and the place where his sanctuary was, where he dwelt in the Holy of Holies, it was overthrown, yeah, by this horn, yeah. And, and not only that, and a host, 
will be given over it together with the regular burnt offering because of the transgression. So because of the sin of the Jews, this is coming and it will throw truth to the ground. It will smash the truth to the ground and it will act and it will prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking, Daniel says. I, I heard like an angel speaking and another holy one said to the one who spoke, for how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate? When will this happen when this horn, this massive horn, it's going to go towards the temple and it's going, to, it's going to mock the sacrifices of God. It's going to sit on its throne. It's going to laugh at Yahweh and the giving over the sanctuary and the host will be trampled underfoot. How long is this going to happen? And he said to me, for 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. Okay, so there's a time period. There's a Period. Is this because of the stars? Are we saying there's possible persecution of the Jews or, or, or pain that's coming towards them? Oh man, Daniel, what is, this? what is this vision? And so Daniel said, when I, Daniel, when I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. Daniel, we all do. We all seek to understand this vision. What's going on? What is this conflict? What is this war? I have this ram with two legs of horns. I've, I've, got, this, I've, got, I've got this goat that's charging and spikes it. And then its, its horn breaks off and four more arise. And then out of one of them comes this really long horn. What's happening here? Daniel looks around and he spots someone. He says this, and behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. Oh, maybe he can help. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli and it called Gabriel, angel Gabriel. Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. Oh, man. Me, just as a preacher who has studied angelology, this gets me all excited. <laughs> For there is another angel who calls out to Gabriel. And by the way, angel Gabriel in rank and how God uses angel Gabriel. Because I want you to understand something about angels. Don't picture little cute cherubs, little fat naked cherubs playing harps, okay? Angels are in rank. They're militant. They have dominions. They rule over areas and they go in file, okay? Michael, the archangel, leads these angels. And one of the angels says to Gabriel, whose job in scripture is always to send the message. Remember he showed up before Jesus' birth and talked to Mary? Gabriel is going to be the angel. This is before he spoke to Mary, back in the time of Daniel. And he's going to tell Daniel what this dream means. Oh man, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So Gabriel comes near where Daniel stood and Daniel tells the story. So he came near to where I stood. And when he came, I was frightened and I fell on my face. And he said to me, understand, O son of man, that the vision for the time is the time of the end. So it's not right now. No, it'll be for a time, but it will also be representative of the time of the end. And when he had spoken to me, let's see if this calmed Daniel down. He says, and when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep in the Hebrew. The idea here is we just jump into seminary a little bit. If you jump down under that deep sleep, it carries the idea of Daniel basically was knocked out into a coma. If we saw the angel Gabriel and he stood over us and talked to us, remember he said, fear not, Mary. If we saw angel Gabriel, if he just appeared to us and spoke to us, the common reaction is absolute terror. So how awesome, 
How awesome are God's angels? It's absolute terror. He's not like, oh, look at the cute little cherub. No, it's boom, Daniel falls down, coma, out cold, deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and made me stand up. The idea is, Dan, is Gabriel revived him. Come on, come on back, come on back, wow. So Gabriel says to him, behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation. For it refers to the appointed time of the end. Okay? He goes, as for the ram, God doesn't want us to be confused as to who these beasts are. Watch this. As for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Media and Persia. Aha. Oh man, the Persian Empire. Their symbolism was a ram. It was the guardian spirit of the Persian Empire. We don't have to guess what's coming in the future for Daniel. It's the Persian Empire. One horn's longer than the other because the Persians were greater than the Medes. This is speaking of Cyrus and Darius. And the goat is the king of Greece. Ah, the king of Greece. And the great horn between his eyes is the first king. Okay, we'll see Greece now represent the goat. That makes the lightning speed. Well, whose, whose empire was fast and was like lightning and roared across the continent? Whose empire had a charging horn and then sacrificed it over to four horns? Well, when you study scripture, not only scripture, what scripture says, but when you study historical writings, you're gonna see. This most likely, if not nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, is speaking of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great's kingdom could be described just like that. He was a gifted, gifted young little boy. In fact, there are stories of him taming wild stallions when no other military soldier could, even as a young boy. You know, he was trained by the best. I don't know who your mentors are. Do you wanna know who Alexander the Great's mentor was? Aristotle, okay? That's who trained this little guy, okay? And not only that, at 18 years of age, he won his first military victory. Alexander the Great, yeah, young people like to use the phrase goat. <laughs> Alexander was the original goat, okay? Greatest of all time. He was the man. And, and he, he, on his 15-year conquest, you ready? He was completely undefeated. Never lost. He didn't lose. Alexander the Great didn't know what losing was. And on top of that, he was skilled. He conquered most of his territory in three years. In fact, he drove across the continent for seven straight years without letting his men return home. And when he got to the border of India, he wept for there were no more nations to conquer. Alexander the Great. He was ambitious, but most of all, folks, he was arrogant. He even demanded his soldiers bow down to him when he walked into a room and named 70 cities, including Alexandria, after himself. Scripture says, this, this great horn between the first, that was the first king, that was the goat, all right? That was the goat. Wow starting to make sense. 
But we have more of that. There was more to that conflict. So as for the horn that was broken, in place of which four others arose, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. When, when Alexander the Great, 33 years of age, was dying of complications, laying in Babylon, four generals came up to him and said, who are you gonna give the kingdom to? Nobody expected him to die at the age of 33. And he said, I'll give it to the strong. He gave it to those four generals, four horns. Wow. Daniel was prophesying the future that we now can look at the history books and see how accurate this prophecy was. It said this, and at the latter end of the kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, when sin has reached its limit, at the end of these four generals here, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, is going to arise from that. Okay, so from Greece, from Alexander the Great's kingdom, from these generals of four, one's gonna arise. His power, it says, will be great, but not by his own power, and he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are with the saints. This guy is gonna be super powerful, and he is going to persecute, persecute Jews, persecute Christians, however you, you view this. By verse 25, he says this, by this, his cunning, by his cunning leadership, he shall make deceit prosper and under his hand and in his own mind, he shall become great. I mean, this guy loves himself, this coming king. Um, without warning, he shall destroy many. So, so this guy comes from Greece. He comes from these four generals. He's a persecutor of the Jews. He has sudden assaults. And then it says this. He shall even rise up against the prince of princes and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. Many believe, many scholars believe. This is speaking of Antiochus Epiphanes who came onto the scene in Syria from 175 BC to 164 BC. Why? He came from Greece. He came up from the four generals. He persecuted Jews at a reckless rate. In fact, at one assault, he slayed 40,000 Jews and then kept 10,000 as captives. He came up against the prince of princes, you bet he did. He rose up against God and he did something that all Jews look back to and they have titled this event, the abomination of desolation. When did this occur? What happened is Antiochus Epiphanes, he went up against Alexandria and was turned back by the Roman guard there. He was so angry about it. He went to one of his generals, Apollo, and he asked him to take down 20,000 troops into Jerusalem on what day? The Sabbath day. When all the Jews are gathered at the temple, he erects an image, an idol to Zeus in the temple area and then desecrated the temple altar by putting a swine dedicated to the gods on top of the altar. And this event now has gone down in history as the abomination of desolation in 168 BC. That is why so many believe that horn that came and grew great was Antiochus Epiphanes. But students of prophecy know of another abomination of desolation that is to occur. It's spoken of in Matthew and it refers to the time of tribulation when the Antichrist will truly come into power. Seven years of tribulation, Revelation tells us, will come. But at the halfway point is when terror really strikes into this earth. 
when this Antichrist who lies by his cunningness and his, and his wisdom and his miracles, he turns on the Jews. He goes in to the temple. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 15, so when you see in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, as spoken through Daniel the prophet, understand the times. Don't be clueless to this, Jesus says. In the middle of the seven, he's going to create an image and he's going to demand to be worshipped and he will turn on the world as this global dictator in charge of the nations. Remember his names? We looked at them last week. The Little Horn. He's an evil end times leader. This Antiochus Epiphanes, many believe, is a prototype. You get to see what this guy is going to be like in the future during the tribulation. He's the king of intrigue. He's insolent and skilled. He's a global dictator, the prince to come. He's a liar and a cheat, the man of lawlessness. He leads a 10-nation federation, the foolish shepherd. He's hatred for the saints, the son of destruction. And he's empowered by something called the false prophet. Not Daniel the prophet, but the false prophet. He's the beast of the sea, the first beast of Revelation 13. Who is this false prophet? Evil personified. Evil personified. And he's referred to as the second beast in Revelation 13. Let me give you a little bit of him. This is what scripture says. Then I saw another beast. Remember the first beast was the Antichrist in Revelation 13 last week? I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. Why? It's empowered by the devil. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants do what? Worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. This beast, this first beast, this antichrist seems to die and then gets resurrected, whether it's trickery, whether it's a false resurrection, but remember, he is an antichrist. He's trying to fake the resurrection of Jesus so people worship and follow him. But it's falsehood. It's inspired by the false prophet. This is what he does. He performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to the earth. Do you remember Elijah? Making fire come down? This false prophet of the end times is, is faking Elijah, the prophet, but he's using demonic power to do this in front of people. And when they see these signs, it allowed to work in the presence. It continues scripture. It deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image. Just like the times of Nebuchadnezzar. Just like Antiochus putting an image in the temple. The false prophet in the, in the tribulation will say, make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Will this be robotic? Will this be technical? Will this be a hologram? I don't know. But this false prophet is gonna demand an image be brought forth so that it can be worshiped. And it was allowed, this false prophet. And I love phrases like it was allowed throughout the Bible. God allows certain things because he has a master thing that he's working towards. So we don't have to fear that God's not in control. It will give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Wow. Not only on top of that, the false prophet causes all, both great and small, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead. Can you imagine a day where people can't get in grocery stores because they have a scanner on their forehead and it says whether they're allowed in or not? 
30 years ago, you couldn't imagine it. Right now, some of you were thinking, go, I think I saw an image last week like that. So that no one can buy, sell, or unless they have the mark, that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. What is the number of its name? This calls for wisdom, scripture says. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 666. This false prophet, he will do these characteristics. Come across innocent, but be very evil. He will perform miracles. He will build an image to worship. He will falsely raise Antichrist to life. He will give life to the image. He will force everyone to receive 666, and he will control commerce for the Antichrist. This little horn of Daniel and the little horn which is the beast of Revelation, will be empowered by Satan himself because this is what I like to refer to as the unholy trinity working during the time of the tribulation. The Antichrist copying the Son, Satan copying God the Father, and the false prophet trying to copy the Holy Spirit, the unholy trinity of the tribulation. Luke 21, 36 says, but keep alert of all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and stand before the Son of Man. Folks, I believe before this tribulation period starts, God has promised us a blessed hope. For there's nothing hopeful about that if I'm to go through that as a Christian. He promises the blessed hope of the rapture as spoken of in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And if you're a child of God, You'll be in that rapture. The dead in Christ will rise first and then us. And we'll meet Jesus in the air before the judgment seat of Christ where we'll be awarded for our time lived on earth and how we've served him. Do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? If the things spoken of in scripture, if the prophecies of Daniel can keep nailing exactly what we watch as time periods play out, Daniel didn't know who Alexander the Great is. We get to look at this and look back and say, oh my word, the prophecies of scripture are true. And so if they were true in Daniel, you better believe they're true in Revelation. And if this time period's coming, it behooves us as a church to tell our friends, to tell our neighbors, don't be around for this. Come to know Jesus Christ as your personal savior because we have a vision of the future as given us to a scripture and we believe it's gonna happen and we believe it's true and we want you to escape that by knowing Christ is your savior. Daniel, Daniel was taking all this in in verse 26 to finish the chapter. He says, the vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true. Gabriel says, but seal it up for it refers for many days from now. It's a prototype. They'll be able to see it many days from now. They'll be see it the days very soon after Daniel, but even in the days of the future. And when Daniel heard all this, can you imagine getting all this information? Can you imagine getting all this? Imagine if you saw the history or, or the future of the United States play completely out and you can trust it. It came from God. Imagine taking all that information in and Daniel says this, I, Daniel, I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. <laughs> then I rose and went about the king's business. But I was appalled by the vision and I did not understand it. Wow, Daniel, you are a stud. You knew all this. It, it was so disturbing to you, you grew sick to your stomach. 
you're appalled by it, that you see how many Jews may get killed in the future by these reckless empires with zero restraint. And you lay sick, but yet you went about your business and you kept it to yourself as the Lord has asked you to. What incredible restraint amid easy temptation to have unrestraint. Daniel's such an example of a lion. He saw the future, he knew God was in control and he walked calmly amidst knowing that conflict was all around him. How are you doing with that? With all this conflict around you, are you able to walk calmly? Are you able to demonstrate restraint? I promised you here at the end of the sermon, spend the last five minutes just giving you what I'm gonna call seven reminders of restraint. Just seven reminders of ways that when we feel frustrated, we can go to these truths and go, I need to demonstrate restraint here so that I don't explode. I don't want... God has given us prophecy so that we see in the future that he's in control. But he's also given us prophecy so we can also see there are some end time rulers coming that will do incredible evil and to escape that coming judgment by knowing Christ is your savior. Escape it, it's a warning. Evil is going and it's gonna explode even all the more that Revelation tells us. And so it behooves us to know Christ is our savior if we know that's coming. But it also makes sense for us, child of God, to walk with restraint during this time period. So here's the seven, okay? If you got your notes, got whatever, I'm gonna give you seven things that I think will bless you this week that you can be practicing. So I wanna hear that there's explosions happening in houses and I wanna be a blessing, okay? So so here they are, here we go, first one. All right, Um, restrain from impatience. You say, very easy, but we gotta know that. We We gotta know that our patience is gonna be tested right now. So do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools, Ecclesiastes 7, 9. I don't wanna be a fool. In the lap of fools is not peace and calm. It's, it's a provoked spirit that gets angry quickly. Lord, Lord, give me patience with the kids today. Lord, give me patience with the news. If I hear COVID or bending the curve one more time, give me patience, Lord, okay? Here's the second one. Restrain from fuming. (sighs) Fuming, this idea, okay? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4, 26, hey, 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 couples, the devil wants you after each other right now. He wants you mad at each other. He wants you going to bed and getting up the next day and still not talking to each other. And if he's got you inside a house where you're together right now, whoo, he can wreak a lot of havoc and cause a lot of explosions that lead to very painful things said. Restrain from fuming. Seek forgiveness. Talk it out. Don't go to bed upset. Third one. Restrain from indifference. Who cares about this? This is stupid, right? Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding. But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Displays folly. Lord, give me empathy for this situation. Before I post my next post on Facebook, give me empathy for someone might read this who has watched their loved one die in another country 
or another city or another area, even if yours hasn't been affected. Lord, give me some empathy before I shout my vents. May I restrain from the indifference that there are lives who have been lost. Four, restrain from harsh words. This is not the time for harsh words. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word's going to only stir it up. When we speak harshly, pride can't, can't beat pride. If you have a prideful opinion on the side, prideful, all it's going to do is hit each other and have conflict. Somebody has to choose humility. Lord, give me restraint from my harsh opinions. As much as I want to shout them out, give me restraint. Fifth, restrain from full venting. Fools give full vent to their rage. Nobody wants to be a fool. But fools, you know what they do? They explode. They explode on people. But the wise bring calm in the end. You need to be bringing calm in your workplace, not tension. You want to bring calm when you post online, brother and sister of Christ? You're not going to win over an arrogant heart by a cocky comment. It's not going to happen. They've already made their decision. The only way to truly see someone change is by showing them grace. It's the only thing that ever really wants me to change, makes me want to change, is when I have someone show me grace. So restrain, Lord. Lord, give me the strength to restrain for the sake of my testimony, my loud opinions. Six, restrain from defiance. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice, Proverbs 13, 10. Look, just like you, I'm being told to take the advice from people I don't necessarily trust. So if I'm gonna submit to authority, if I'm gonna submit to leaders, I'm actually submitting to Christ, not them. And so in my submission to Christ, who has put authority over me, regardless of who they are, I'm going to restrain from defiance and trust Jesus will watch over me, even our organization here with the church. Lord, give me humility to respect the authority in my life, even if I don't respect their decision-making or who they are. It doesn't matter. Give me authority to respect you and submit. And then finally, seven, restrain from discounting. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, James 1.19. I think it's so easy to dismiss things. You may have dismissed those last six things, blown them off as that's nice godly advice, but that's not something I want to live in life. That verse right there is actually speaking of listening to the word of God. I want you to review those seven. I want you to think about those seven. How can I demonstrate restraint amidst all this restraint, unrestraint? Because that's gonna give me a testimony of calm assurance and peace in a world that is filled with conflict. Child of God, you know how this story ends. Jesus wins. You're a victor. You don't have to walk in the same fear. Children of God, I've been around unbelievers in this situation and they're completely terrified. They have no hope. Their best move is to trust science or medicine. They don't have a God view of this. They don't get that if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. They don't live with that. But if we walk arrogantly and proudly with unrestraint, then we're gonna lose our testimony and our calming and our loving spirit through this for the sake of our opinion, for the sake of a explosion. I don't think it's worth it. And I don't think it's what the Lord has for us. So I'm praying for you this week. It is very easy in your house 
for one person to shoot off a smart aleck answer and you boom, boom! I'm gonna pray that you process before you explode. Even sing the song. And stop. Knowing that you don't want all the loss that could occur after the explosion. God, give us strength for this is difficult. When we're wound so tight, Lord, it is so easy for us to snap. We're weak, God. This is difficult stuff and we're living in crazy uncertainty, Lord. And many of us don't know when it's fully gonna come to an end. And if we're honest with ourselves, that bothers us. God, it, it makes us frustrated. And so we need you all the more during this time to fill us with your strength, your patience, your wisdom, so that we might walk with calm, peace-filled hearts before a world that's terrified because we know we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior. And Lord, you offer that to anyone listening today. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I pray even today, someone sitting in their room would call on the name of the Lord and be saved and experience the calm assurance that the Holy Spirit provides us even during all this uncertainty that enables us to walk with restraint in a world of chaos. God, help us to be testimonies of peace and calm with the assurance you're in control. May we remember that prophecy has been given to us to remind us you win and to remind us that no governing authority or kingdom is truly in control, but you are. Their time will end when you say, they'll grow to prominence if you will, but in the end we know the kingdom of the Son of Man will reign superior. And if we're citizens of that kingdom, may we walk with that calm assurance in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week showing restraint. And we'll see you next time.